and gentlemen, ohaya gozimasu, konnichiwa, konbawa, oyasumi nasai, konnichiwa. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the most actual wonderful time of the year. I said that about G1 season and don't get it mistaken, G1 season is the best month of wrestling there is to have, but... This, ladies and gentlemen, this is Christmas morning. This is Christmas morning. Ryan, what what are we on the precipice of? The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Yes. No, we're not talking about football today. Oh, we're not? No, no, not not at this current time. Uh, Only thing we want to say about football is is that we hope Tamar Hamlin is making as speedy a recovery as can be. What an absolute awful tragedy. Uh, Skip Bayless is a garbage person. And, uh, <laughs> God you know. damn it. Shut up, Skip. Yeah, stupid fucking... What about the playoff implications, you fucking trash man? Do you know his brother was Obama's chef and like has essentially deaded him because he can't handle his fucking bullshit? <laughs> and here I thought his brother was Jared Bayless forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> I don't actually know if Jared Bayless is a forward. It's uh are you a forward? Also he used to play for the Bucks at some point. Whatever. Anyway, but in other news, AI Ichinende Motomo Subarashi Jikedesu. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the culmination of the past year in Puralesu Wrestle Kingdom 17, the night in New Japan Pro Wrestling where it all comes to a head. And we come to you almost live. Uh, at time of recording, it is 8.21 p.m. This is going to get dropped right after Wrestle Kingdom has ended. So... If you already watched it because you're a psychopath like me and you watched it live, well, you know, enjoy the commentary. Uh, And if you didn't, this is your one-stop shop to understanding what the hell's been going on. And I'll have everybody, I'll remind everybody, uh, I've been very, very merciful when it comes to my New Japan pro wrestling and overall Japanese wrestling talk over the last couple of weeks, months. So uh, this is it. This is it. on pot. Of coffee number seven, and he's not taking any prisoners, baby. Nope. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So we're going to get straight into it. Um, This is probably the most live that we will be ever. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get it much more than this. Uh, I I would drop it tonight, but I need to sleep so that I can wake up in an ungodly hour and drink pots of coffee. Fresh pots. (laughs) Fresh pots. Little uh, Dave Grohl reference for you there. Dave Um, Grohl. So we're going to be doing a full recap of the card for Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, And then we posed some questions to our beautiful listeners and they responded in spades. Uh, So we're going to be doing a little bit of a little bit of question and answer. (laughs) So uh, let's get right down a little bit of hot takes. Uh, So let's get right down to the nitty gritty. Ryan, what polar are you drinking? I have no more pomegranate. <laughs> Pomegranate Polar, made by uh, Grandfather Wilhelm Polar. Uh, Polar ASCII before they made him shorten his name. 
Is that a real I'm fact? I'm just assuming the Polar family's Polish. I don't know. Oh, Polar, Pole. He's racist, too. Love that for you. <laughs> How uh, many Polars does it take for them to screw with a light bulb? How many? None, because they're all stupid. I don't know. Ah, it's just funny, because it's funny. <laughs> Racism. Well, I I was a good little boy, and I've got here the only thing worth drinking, Sapporo Premium oh, yeah. Beer. No Asahi? No, I'm a Sapporo boy. Is Asahi uh, still the uh, advertiser for New Japan? That's a great question. Uh, what the fuck was Will Ospreay drinking the other night? Uh, New Japan beer sponsor? Uh, yeah, I think it is still Asahi. Hmm. Anyway, I'm a Sapporo man anyway. Yeah, I, th- I like it better. It's classy so, beer. Uh, you can uncork yourself, and I'm just gonna get right into this. Also, Sapporo cans, like the tall cans, so nice. The, like, ridge, and mm-hmm. oh, it's just, it, like, feels like a pint glass. That's no, uh, that's no cheap Kansas City aluminum for you. St. Louis, wherever the fuck Bush is. Uh, St. Louis. Oh yeah. Ah, love that. All right, Ryan. Let's get right into the nitty gritty here. All right, let's uh, let's go down this match card here, shall we? So, <clears throat> Wrestle Kingdom seventeen. We have officially hit the end of the New Japan year. At the beginning of the new year. All right. After this. It's all reset following this is going to be the New Year's Dash the, the day after, which uh, in, re- in recent years has been a little bit more boring uh, than people wanted, but is usually a good way to kind of set up the first storylines of the upcoming year. Uh, so to start off, as always, we have a nice little exhibition match. Uh, we will see... Bolton Oleg, a Kazakh heavyweight prospect who has recently joined New Japan's Young Lion. Group. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Rambo, did that already happen? Not yet. That's uh, it. Happens after this match. Oh, okay. Sorry. Continue. Uh, he will be going up against uh, more recent Young Lion Ryoe uh, Oiwa. Tell us a little bit about Bolton. So Bolton is a 29 year old who just showed up. Uh, in New Japan. As I mentioned, he is a Kazakhstani lad. Um, and this is going to be his first time in the true, well, you know, I mean, not spotlight, but, you know, he's he's in the grandest stage of them all. Uh, and he was introduced by Yuji Nagata. So, you know, he's got a good, he's got a good, strong start there all right. uh, alone. Nice. Uh, he is also the 2021 Asian Championships gold medalist. So, you know, um, New Japan, some of their young lions do. I mean, they usually have like amateur wrestling backgrounds, but they uh, they're really trying to make sure that they keep that going. So uh, then we're then we get to the New Japan Rambo. Uh, so, Ryan, you know about the Rambo, right? What's the yes. Rambo? Uh, it's kind of like their version of Royal Rumble. Uh, more downplayed though, and uh, but four participants. Oh, the four winning participants will compete uh, in two days at New Year's Dash for mm-hmm. King of Pro Wrestling trophy. Which I don't know. Do you think that they have enough space on this card? Do you think that they should have? 
I guess not. I don't know. I guess I gotta save the. Uh... I don't know. I always, I always like the idea of the rainbow, but it, it feels like they don't like go full effect with it. I guess it's just, it's just a little, little aperitif at the beginning. It's a way for guys that have been left off the card to get a little bit of action in uh, the old, the old Vince paycheck spot. And you know, giving it, it, it you usually get one or two fun spots like last. I believe last Rambo, we saw Tatsumi Fujinami, mm-hmm. you know, the fucking dragon himself show up um, for his, what was it, like 50th year? And oh, man. Some shit. <laughs> um, so, but I, I like that it's like the last four fight the next night for the KOPW trophy, which uh, Shingo Takage and Taichi really worked hard to try and elevate a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. So then... We get on to the Antonio Inoki Memorial Match, and this is going to see the team of Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe take on Tatsumi Fujinami, Minoru Suzuki, and Tiger Mask. Uh, so that's honestly pretty cool. I mean, it's like a, you know, it's a good old-fashioned old man match, but Fujinami and Suzuki being on the same team is, like, pretty interesting. Um, oh, have they been past rivals? Well, I mean, Fujinami was like one of the first first new japan stars right when it started uh but minoru suzuki has known fujinami in like a pretty you know uh suzuki was trained by enoki who's mm-hmm. like his attendant so there's definitely some history there um and we haven't spoken about this but you know the last new japan event saw the official disbanding of Suzuki Goon. So a lot of things up in air about where the King himself goes, as well as where the other members go. And Wrestle Kingdom will probably go a long way towards deciding some of that. Probably the most amicable breakup, by the way. I finally called it uh, probably the most amicable breakup of a team ever. They're just like, okay, Suzuki, you uh, you go have a final run. The matchup, the match itself is a lot of fun and has this really nice ending where like, Suzuki turns on everyone in his own team and like it just kind of tells everybody to give him their best shot in mm-hmm. what I think has to be the most fitting way for a Suzuki goon to end. And Zach was the one to give him the final pin hitting the Zach driver uh, and thanking him on the way down. So, yeah, very amicable. Uh, it's sad, you know, I don't think it needed to happen. I think Suzuki Goon has really been, you know, they've, they've been a crowd favorite for a while. And, uh, some of the speculation is that because members of Suzuki Goon, a lot of them were maybe not necessarily under contract. Like Suzuki is famously a freelancer, but apparently like El Desperado might not be under contract as well. Or, um, I think Zach has a contract, but not sure about Kanemaru. So, so we're going to see whether there's any like fire to that smoke, but for now this is going to be what was, you know, we'll see where Suzuki goes from here. So, those are the three matches for the pre-card, right? Uh, one, that's yes. One thing I want to add, um do you know much about this iteration of Tiger Mask? Obviously, I don't think it's um uh, Sayama, right? It's the next one. Hmm? Who who's the current Tiger Mask? It's not Tiger Mask that like people may know from like versus Dynamite Kit, right? I'm pretty sure it's like uh actually hold on, let me see. Um No, Sayama can't 
wrestles. So this is his direct disciple, fourth generation Tiger Mask, who I believe is the Tiger Mask that has been doing it for the longest. Okay, cool. Um, so then we move on to <clears throat> the official card. So New Japan World had it starting at one twenty. Um, I don't, and then, but I've also seen two a.m. So you know. If you're staying up and are wanting to catch the whole thing, you want to tune into New Japan World around like 1.20. But, you know, the, 3 o'clock is when ostensibly the, the fireworks start. So the first match is going to be the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. You're going to see the team of Leo, Leo Rush and Yo, taking on Catch 2-2, TJP and Francesco Akira, uh, the current champions. So Leo had a really strong, they are the winners of the um, Junior Tag League which had was really, really good this year. And Catch 2-2, TJP and Francesco Akira, uh, Akira who debuted uh, earlier this year f- um, from All Japan, and TJP who had been working strong as well as Impact joining the United Empire. They have been a really exciting team in the division. Leo has been a fun, unexpected pairing. It's a little... I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to necessarily say frustrating but like yo still being in the tag division i don't you know i don't necessarily want to say that that is showing that they don't know that they have faith in him as a singles performer but um you would have thought that after him and shows break up in their feud that you you would have seen him in a singles title scene a little bit more but nonetheless him and leo rush have been a really good team and this match promises to be a really solid technical match. And, you know, Leo Rush, look, memes about retirement aside, Leo Rush is one of the best high flyers in the game. And his, his, uh, the way he works fits into the junior scene so seamlessly in Japan. Yeah, I'm happy to see him finally settle in, like, honestly. Like, I know he's had a rough career, but so far. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad he's getting this opportunity. Um, I kind of see your, your, instillment about this like no disrespect to akira tjp whatever we 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 know our opinions on him but yeah i mean like i guess i should maybe expect more from this card but you know yo i think still has a lot of time so i the, i think the manner that he broke up with Cho uh might have led us to believe that he was going to go on a singles run but um are are, are leo and yo keels no, no, no. So, so just to make sure everybody remembers, so Sho and Yo, Rapongi 3K, managed by uh, Rocky Romero of Rapongi Vice with Trent Barretta. Sho and Yo broke up, I think it's like two years ago now, when Sho turned on Yo joining oh. Bullet Club, but House of Torture. So you're probably mistaking him with oh, Sho. Excuse me. F- I forgot. All our homies <laughs> hate all our homies hate Sho. Yes. So, yes. Okay. So Yo, Yo and Leo are very much the faces here. TJP and Akira are going to be working the heel. And the dynamic that they have is cool because TJP, as he has been for most of his career, I mean, look, opinions on the guy aside, he is one of the best technical wrestlers on the planet. Um, and Akira is like the high-flying, uh, high-energy, fiery upstart TJP, the very grounded veteran. And so you've got to... Got a reversal of roles in Leo Rush and Yo, where Leo is kind of more the veteran, but he's the high flyer. Yo, mm-hmm. also very technical. So th- I expect the match to be very good. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, good. I think it's going to be good. 
I uh, honestly am not sure if I necessarily think they give it to Leo Rush and Yo. Not that I'm saying I'd be unhappy with that, but uh, people are really into Catch 2-2, and I, I could see them retaining here. They probably have more stock in the other team, I would imagine. I think that... Unless they have a, you know, unless they know Leo, like, hey, listen, you're going to be with us for a while yeah, if you want to win. It, I think it definitely depends on... Does Leo Rush stay in Japan? Is he like ready to kind of work there for a while? I agree. Yeah. So then we get to one of the most interesting things on this card, which is the IWGP Women's Championship match between Kyrie, uh, formerly Kyrie Sane, and Tam Nakano. So uh, November 20th, Kyrie Sane took on the incredible Mayu Iwatani and became the first IWGP Women's Champion. Now, this is not a stardom belt. This is a New Japan belt. And so for the first time in New Japan's history, you not only have a women's uh, belt, but a women's singles match at the Tokyo Dome. So pretty big deal there. Um, Kairi Sane has been well known in, in stardom and in the Joshi rings before ever coming to WWE Um uh, the only, you know, her time with WWE was really good, both in NXT as well as on the main roster, joining up with uh, Asuka as the Kabuki Warriors. But injuries kind of took the wind out of her sails. Get it? She was a pirate. I made a pirate joke. Ha 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 ha. Probably the best elbow in the game. Um, And Tanakano is... A long t- I, I'm sorry, not a long time. Tom Nakano is like a young, but not not young upstart in stardom. Most recently was a 304 day champion with the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Um, and so these two come together kind of in a battle of Joshi spirit, right? This is a full showing of Joshi at its finest and and really trying to cement the IWGP Women's Championship as something you want to care about. Unfortunately, I mean, I don't want to say unfortunately because it's cool, but the match itself is a little bit more overshadowed Mm. by what is widely expected, if not outright confirmed, which is that the former Sasha Banks, uh, I want to make sure I get her last name right. Mercedes Varnado is almost certainly going to come out and approach the winner, uh, widely reported to have signed a deal with both New Japan and Stardom. It is also rumored that Bailey is going to be there cheering her on. And whether Bailey shows up or not is going to go a really long way towards determining whether there is, in fact, some sort of brewing relationship between New Japan and WWE or whether this is just, you know, she's just out here supporting her friend and, and isn't going to be shown in that way. Um, I will save comments on this. We have some questions about Mercedes showing up, so I will I'll just skip over this uh, for the question segment. Okay. But I expect Kyrie Zane to retain, especially if if we are expecting Mercedes Vernado to show up. The match is going to be awesome anyway. You know, yes, I, both I, extremely talented. I always thought there should have been a Joshi spot on this, on Wrestle Kingdom in general, just because, you know, I, I'm a sucker for those matches. I don't know whether or not it's because just to stardom wants their own thing and they want their own scope 
if that makes sense. It's not necessarily like shutting out the women. I mean, obviously, you know better than I would. But uh, it, listen, the card always benefits from having a hard-hitting women's match like this. Yeah, and I don't think there's really any debate that stardom is going to remain not only like the preeminent Joshi promotion, but the best women's promotion in the world uh, with some of the best wrestling, regardless of gender, you're going to see anywhere. So I, I, I expect that. And with stardom being owned by Bushiro, just like New Japan, I, I expect the relationship to largely work in in stardom's favor. But the establishment of this belt. I guess raises some questions about how closely the two promotions will work together or whether they'll start looking at this as the preeminent women's championship. So yeah, some debate over that, but either way, I, th- I think that it's, it's a good thing no matter what. And uh, it took a really long time for new Japan to get to this point. So I'm, I'm excited to see it go. So moving right along, we've then got the team of Bishiman, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, uh, who once again are World Tag League winners. I think this is Goto's third time taking on the long-awaited return of FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. Um, I think that what is overshadowing this match is the fact that FTR's title reign has meant absolutely nothing. Um, Which one? <laughs> it, yeah, like... Now, I, I, here's the thing, right? So they 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 would bring it out on AEW when they were on AEW, and like that was cool, and you know, winning, winning it at Forbidden Door over uh, the United Empire's Great O'Con and Jeff Cobb. Um, but they had one defense against Cobb and O'Con, which was really good, and they got the crowd. Uh, like, actually, let me let me not even bother with the spiel. There's no debate that FTR is at worst, a top three tag team in the world. Uh, They got the Japanese crowd on their side very quickly. Uh, Bishiman is a very fun team. Hiroki Goto, obviously one of the stalwarts of the New Japan mid-card scene. And Yoshihashi, probably the most improved wrestler I've seen over the last five years, going from a little bit of like this weird, jokey guy you kind of want to root for to like a really strong upper mid-carder who fits seamlessly in to his role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect this match to be great. Unfortunately for FTR, I don't see them coming out with the title here. I think New Japan needs to get the belt back in Japan. Um, I would love or would have loved to see FTR have a prolonged uh, stint in Japan. I think the fact that they were not in the World Tag League was like an extreme missed opportunity. Not saying, I don't know whether that was FTR's doing, whether New Japan didn't want to, but I couldn't tell you, but it was a really missed opportunity. And unfortunately, to this point, uh, their reign has has just meant very little. And it, I don't know, FTR is in a weird spot right now. They are. And, uh, you know, we can expand on this maybe next episode or something, but I did want to say, like, they don't really need to do anything else this year after that Ring of Honor dog collar match with the Briscoes, because mm-hmm. that's probably top three match of the year in my opinion yeah one of the best tag matches you're gonna see at final battle but there is like some like huge elephant in the room with them you know i mean they're they and listen it's not easy to culminate all these belts like obviously there's the shoe is going to drop when you're not a, a member of these rosters so it's just a natural progression but i am curious to see you know they just lost the mel- uh the belts in triple a if i'm correct uh, to... i believe you are correct yes right 
Um, and now they're going to uh, to dra- uh, it was dra- it was Dragon Lee and Vikingo right before Dragon Lee mm-hmm. went to WWE. Yeah, you're right. And then now they're going to lose, presumably. Let's say they do. Uh, you know, I just wonder if they're going to address it or it's just going to be like, hey, listen, we're still the best and, you know, these things are going to happen, but we're still ready to go for the next next match. Because yeah. uh, whether or not this is a, a storyline that people want to play up, something has happened since CM Punk left with FTR. I think maybe, and, you know, again, we could save this, but I don't know if, like, maybe... Uh, some advocate was lost on their behalf in AEW because it seems like they, since they, since they were established as five star FTR, they haven't like at the beginning of the year. Me and you thought that they were like on their fucking way, and it, it yeah, just they were one of the most over acts in the fucking company. Yeah, it just has not happened, and it's blowing my mind right now. But we'll see. Yeah, time will tell whether this is just like a series of blown opportunities by bookers or whether there is something else happening here that is dictating this. Uh, The relationship between FTR and CM Punk is extremely well known at this point. Not really worth rehashing here, but, you know, they're obviously good friends with CM Punk and have their take on the whole Punk elite situation. Punk's been mentioning being like the top earner for AEW again and like you know is he trolling is he not i don't know to be honest i don't care i've wasted enough breath on this yeah. and like, <laughs> it's well, what maybe, it is maybe if we're going instead of being negative nellies we could be positive pete's on this and maybe tony told him hey go lose all the belts that you have because i can't promote all these shows on the on the on AEW. so go wrap up any business outside of the company that you have come back we'll give you a run Maybe it's that. Yeah, hard to know. We'll see. Either way, I expect this match to deliver, uh, but I expect that Bishamon's going to take this. Then we get on to one of the more, I mean, I'm going to say this about every match, but there are a lot of interesting matches on here. We get Ren Narita versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the brand new New Japan World TV Championship. Um, So the TV Championship... Similar, I guess, to what the TNT title is, uh, it has a 15-minute time limit for each of their matches. I like the look of this belt. It's nice. It's it's a pretty cool-looking belt. It feels very old-school to me. Yeah, Um, very, like, 80s chic. Exactly. It's got, like, territories energy, for sure. Uh, Ren Narita, often, for better or for worse, called, you know, the second coming of Katsuyori Shibata. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., He's ZSJ. If you don't know who he is at this point, you know, he's <laughs> he's only literally the greatest technical wrestler on the planet. Sorry, Brian Danielson. Uh, Renarita calls himself the son of Strong Style. ZSJ says that is actually him. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. has famously proclaimed before, Enochiism is dead, long live Saberism. So you're going to see a real, like, uh, you're going to see... Not clashing styles, but crashing crashing ideologies. Are you going to see Ren Narita, the carrier of that mantle for Shibata and Inoki, take this title after recently graduating or, you know, after coming back from excursion and getting all of these great opportunities and just, you know, showing out? Or do you see, do you see Zack Sabre Jr. fresh out of Suzuki-Goon and with fresh blonde hair? Because, you know, listen, bad breakups, you dye your hair. I get it. We've all been there. 
uh, do you see him finally get his first actual New Japan IWGP Singles Championship? I think that the winner of this is going to be dictated by whether you think Zack Sabre Jr. has a contract. If he has a contract and like he is, in fact, full on New Japan, I think he is the one that makes sense to give this title to. I think it's a little soon in Renarita's career to give him the title, but I fully expect this match to absolutely fucking bang. And I am here for whatever New Japan decides to do with ZSJ. Hopefully great things. Yeah, there's two individuals in question for me on this event. Uh, We'll get to the other one in a little bit. But the first one is Zack Sabre Jr. And you're correct. Um, Is this going to be a solidification of his spot in New Japan? Or is this kind of like a passing on to someone in Narita who can take that mantle? Obviously, nobody's going to duplicate what what Zack can do in the ring. But... Um, you know, kind of give this uh, upper mid card spot to Narita to hold uh, with this new title, um, and then maybe Zack Saber Jr. goes on to do other things. But yeah, that that's what it comes down to, and you know that that's good to have for this match. Mm-hmm. This like you know under under underlying uh, aspect to it of what's to come, which I is the best that, part of any match. I think that this card is pretty evenly split between like results that we are pretty sure about and results that we're not so sure about this is one of those that's definitely like i feel fairly confident this is zach's title but yet i don't know for certain and so there's definitely that air of excitement mm-hmm. um i can't speak for how zach feels about anything i don't i'm not i don't know him but uh between how hard he had worked to improve his japanese over the last couple of years to his connection with the crowd to you know his rising popularity just kind of across the world and like as seen as the ace of suzuki goon i don't really know that there is a i i I, actually i'm gonna amend that i don't think there is a better spot for him than in new japan i think it allows him to be the best version of himself fucking cursing yelling about politics and socialism and being that true successor of strong style um so the, i i think this is his spot to lose and i i i expect him to leave this with a championship yeah because you got to think that if he was going to be over here he would have been already right absolutely uh i think that i think he's in the right place you know he gets to work in britain he gets to work with rev pro if he wants mm-hmm. but you know, I don't think you put this much effort into connecting with the Japanese crowds. I don't think you put this much effort into trying to assimilate into the culture if you have like no intention of staying there. You know, yeah. I, I just I don't see that as likely. Uh, then you move on to the never open weight championship, uh, a feud that has had a lot of controversy, um, both real and kayfabe between Tamatanga of the Gorillas of Destiny and Carl Anderson. Um. I will save some of my opinions for this for our question and answer, because, again, we got some questions about this. But uh, the controversy largely stems from the fact that Carl Anderson, after winning the never open weight belt, um, just kind of left and then showed up in WWE with Luke Gallows and was with AJ Styles. Now, I don't believe he brought the title out in WWE, but he was referred to as the never open weight champion by Michael Cole. And like they talked about him being in Japan, like and referenced new Japan specifically. 
which started making people wonder, like, is this a relationship? Is this it? I mean, it's obviously it at the very least, it's a continuation of what you have seen since Triple H took over and even in his time in NXT as the head, which is not being afraid to talk about things that are not in WWE. It's kind of weird. They they they'll, they will mention specifically IWGP, not New Japan. They've kind of done it over the last decade or so when it services WWE, right? They've done yeah. it with they've done it with AJ. They've done it with uh, Shinsuke. They, Shinsuke. I think they might have done it with Brock. Brock. Yeah, and like I I don't think you know it's not necessarily well. It's not us, pal. But like, yeah, it is weird. I don't think it's a coincidence that Carl Anderson came over here and they're going to mention it. You know what I mean? So maybe in that aspect. I mean, but they did. But Michael Cole said New Japan outright. So it is different than other. It's different than other times. And uh, Vince kind of always had this like respect for New Japan in his way. And like Triple H obviously does. Um, So, yeah, it's it's this weird it's it's one of the things it's one of those storylines where it really does blur the lines and it's hard to know. Okay. Uh but it's frustrating for New Japan fans because frankly they don't like Carl Anderson that much. Yeah, um you know, I think American fans just, always talk about how like Carl Anderson was awesome and I was like that was almost 15 years ago. Dude. Remember that one time in the G1 where he made the finals <laughs> in 2012? Like yeah, I know that's it was cool and you know to Quote, Kevin Owens talking to Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool for like seven seconds. Then it wasn't. Then it kind of was. And it's not going to be again. And you got to just get over it. Um, Fair to say this is going to be one of the quicker matches. I don't know. I mean, look, this should not be something that is boring. Uh, I do think that when the Good Brothers came to New Japan and like joined Bullet Club again, I thought that was cool. Um I don't think that Bullet Club needed the Good Brothers. I don't think anyone necessarily needs the Good Brothers. But, like, look, Carl Anderson started, he founded Bullet Club with Devitt and Tama. So there is a lot of history here. Mm -hmm. But because he just kind of bounced, you know, and this feud starts in Impact. And then just, like, it it just went fucking nowhere for so long. And, like... Carl Anderson doesn't defend the belt. He defends it like once against Hikaleo, the Tongan's younger brother on strong. Like it just, I think people are just over with it. And because he came to, he went to WWE. Everyone's like, okay, so should I assume that like, this is all meaningless and it doesn't, you know, like off you go again. Um, I forget what you think about Carl Anderson or what you think about the storyline. Tamatanga losing here after he, won the belt and was immediately beaten by Carl Anderson would be one of the worst blown storylines in recent Gato booking history. Uh, Tama is extremely over as a face surprising, but extremely over he's charismatic. He's joined up with Tana in the new Japan army. And uh, it's give him his belt, give him his belt and let's let him do an actual thing. Um, and most likely what's going to happen here is because for those that don't know, Carl Anderson's finisher, the gun's done, <coughs> uh, Tamatanga's <laughs> signature, also the gun's done handed down by Carl Anderson. Uh, but I largely suspect you're going to see him hit a gun stun, but finish the match with his own splash. Okay, cool. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, that's what I expect. I don't think the match is going to be bad. I think when Carl Anderson wants to, he can still be pretty good. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be bad. I think that Carl Anderson, like, okay, am I going to fucking be featured on Raw or am I actually going to fucking put my all to this match? I think he knows the stakes here, you know? Yeah, you'd like to think anyway. You know what's going to be badass? I don't, and this is never going to happen, but like Haku with Tama, like, versus like the Bloodline. I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Even though they're not directly related, you know, it's still like the overall sphere of wrestling. Like yeah, yeah, ta- I mean, it, it, yeah, they're not Simone, general- they're Tongan, but you know, obviously Haku has his connections with that family. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Uh, so then you move on to a match that is not necessarily like I, I'm sure it's going to be good in the ring, but that's not why you care about it. Uh, Keiji Muto's last match in New Japan. Now, Keiji Muto, who just came off of a match, a singles match, a surprisingly good singles match against Shinsuke Nakamura in Pro Wrestling Noah's uh, New Year event, which um, also featured, I believe, a match between Kato uh, Kiyomura and Keno for the GHC world title that was very good in the return of Mara Kenta, Marafuji and Kenta for the tag team titles. I heard it overall very good. Uh, Samuda going through his his I'm really gone this time. No, I mean it seriously. Don't ask me to do any more matches. I'm never coming back. Wink, but not actually wink uh, tour. This is purported to be his last match in new Japan. And he's teaming up with easily his most well-known apprentice in the ace himself, Hiroshi Tanahashi and somebody who looks exactly like Tanahashi in Shota Umino, who returned to really New Japan. really fucking does. I'm looking at this picture. Right returned to New Japan fairly recently, taking uh, attacking Will Ospreay and challenging for the U.S. title. Uh, his excursion, people thought that he got, um, that he was away for a little too long and that he got passed by Yodosuji and uh, Yuya Uemura, but coming back to New Japan and really, you know, regaining star power and charisma uh and still coming out as the death rider you know walking out with like moxley's jacket that he gave him so that's like kind of cool. that's pretty cool Man, uh, i don't and know is uh is red shoes tanahashi's secret brother who knows who knows or lover lover oh boy hey Ooh boy <laughs> stupid sexy tana and they're going to be taking on lij tetsuya naito sonata bushi now you might be thinking why lij well a leaving tetsuya naito off of a wrestle kingdom card would be fucking Criminal. stupid <laughs> uh but it is because tetsuya naito was earmarked uh as the stardust genius a guy who was everything that he was seen as the successor to Tanahashi and Muda's legacy. And, and, you know, that didn't work out. Uh, Sonata trained by Keiji Muto in all Japan, um, as well as Bushi also trained in all Japan. So this match is got some history to it. Um, look, Muda's 61. Don't expect anything crazy from him, but this match is going to be, hard carried by Tana and Shota Umino and you're going to get a couple of shining wizards and, and you know, it'll be fun. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, you know, it's one of those moments. It's the ending of an era and you got to just appreciate it for what it is. I know people's comments like, Oh, this is the last fan new Japan. where like, you know, the fans from a couple of years ago, they were huge into new Japan. Like they're going to be coming back presumably to watch this. And to that, I say, Fuck you. It's not for you. <laughs> you didn't watch the last two years? Too bad. <laughs> well, and and 
in two matches, we're going to absolutely address that elephant in the room. But yeah, um, I mean, Muda's. Uh, you know what? You know what? No, I'm going to say Sonata pins Muda. Why the fuck not? Let's say okay. Muda goes out on his back. You know, he went out on his back against Nakamura. Uh, I think it would be apropos to have Sonata pin him. So fuck it. Let's say Sonata gets the pin for this. Um, But you'll probably see someone get misted. Um, then you get on to the top three events for the night. The IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship four-way match. Taiji Ishimori, the reigning champion, versus Hiromu Takahashi, El Desperado, and Master Wato. Um, Wato is a meme no longer. He has legitimately improved, bulked up. He looks great. I'm a Wato man. <laughs> he, had a, he had a very bad botch a couple of weeks ago, but it's okay. Oh, we no. all botch. It's wrestling. It's, it's fine. He like, it was, he like slipped trying to run off of someone's back, and it was like a real... <laughs> um this is a match that's just like rife with history all over haramu takahashi and ishimori and el desperado have just a a cubic fuck ton of history uh wata with bullet club as well now ishimori once again you know i think this is his second or third reign as iwgp junior heavyweight champion and again booked with very few defenses had a pretty good um had a pretty good best of super juniors and the best of super juniors was of course uh again won by you know Hiromu Takahashi whatever um so this match is gonna be an absolute show stealer yeah, I was about to ask you, is this a chance to be a stealer of the night? I think with what the top two matches are, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to think to find this match of the night. However, I think it absolutely has potential in spite of that. Not only, first of all, El Desperado and Hiromu Takahashi have one of the best rivalries in New Japan, and that's just a fact. Uh, like I said, Wato has really started to come into his own, and now that he's kind of gotten rid of the goofy way of the Grandmaster thing, and is just kind of leaning more into I'm a you know badass martial arts guy. It's it's really it's starting to work out for him. Mm-hmm. And this is also a match where I this is one of those matches where I really I don't know who they're gonna go with. I don't because I think there's arguments to be made for every single man in that ring. Uh, Taiji Ishimori is one of the most influential uh, and exciting junior heavyweights of recent Japanese history, going back to his time in pro wrestling, Noah Hiromu Takahashi is, uh, you'd be hard pressed to say he's not the biggest star in the junior heavyweight division. Probably the only guy of these four that I think could legitimately main event on his own and have people not question that. El Desperado, who is one of the wrestlers that came out of the pandemic era just looking like absolute fucking money and, you know, getting a title reign himself and just a couple title reigns himself. And like I said, just solidifying like him and Takahashi have one of the the defining feuds of this division. And Wato, who has improved to the point where I really do think I could see him being a dark horse contender to take this belt and take it off of the three men that have kind of dominated 
the division for the last three years. Yeah, that's so, a fair way of looking at it for him, at least. You know, it would be a real breath of fresh air into the division. But regardless, you got arguments for all of them. If you had to force me into a corner, I, I'd probably say Hiromu because they can't keep the belt off of him for very long. Yeah, but I mean, like, what's been the underlying storyline in our in our podcast history? You know, it's, uh, we, we were always waiting for Hiromu to get up to the next level. Yeah. <clears throat> Certainly, I want him to win here. Uh, because the last one, the last Wrestle Kingdom that I watched live was uh, 2020, you know? And was that mm-hmm. after he came back from the, from the neck injury? Yes. Yes. Right. I want to say yes. And that match absolutely was an argument. You know, it wasn't the main two events, but, you know, that match kind of stole the show. So, I don't know, yeah. maybe it's me coming from the outside, not necessarily understanding the culture. But, you know, let's put it this way. If Takahashi doesn't win this, then I hope they up him a little bit. Maybe he, you know, I don't know. Does that Look, make sense? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to not understand. Hiromu's the biggest star in that division, and... Look, for better or for worse, there's a reason for that. He's exciting. He's incredible. He's charismatic. So I, I do think that whether he wins or not does probably depend on is he going to move up. He has played Koi for a very long time, saying like he does not want to move up. He wants to be a career junior like Liger. And there's no reason to think that he's necessarily not telling the truth about that. So, you know, at this point, it, he's probably right. I mean, you know. Hard, hard to say, and it would, you know, look, the heavyweight team doesn't, like, need him. If they want him to be the fucking ace and, like, the gen- the generation-defining junior, uh, it, it'll work just fine for them. So, uh, for the sake of, I, I think Takahashi's going to be the one to win, but my dark horse would be Master Wato. I do hope Takahashi comes over to the States for a little bit, maybe next year. He deserves it, yeah. He, he got boned out of it last time at Forbidden Door, I... I agree. I hope he makes it over. Um, and then we get to the top two. Now, these are this is being billed as a double main event, and for good reason. For the IWGP United States Championship, we have got Will Ospreay, who has really put this title on his back, probably the best title reign in the belt's history, and sealing what has been maybe the strongest last year, last two years of any wrestler in the world, Will Ospreay really separating himself from the pack as one of the very, very best in every category of wrestling against the man who put this title on the map in the first place, the very first ever winner and possibly the most legendary Gaijin in Japan since Stan Hansen. Kenny Omega. Um, so was this the other match that you were saying to my last fan comment? Like, this is definitely yes. for them. Okay. That's now, fair. now, so, well, so here's the thing, right? The story that they've told here, and this has been weaved through when United Empire came to AW Osprey having his match against Orange Cassidy at Forbidden Door. Anytime he's shown up in general, uh, the story that they're telling here is Will Osprey in the wake of Kenny Omega leaving New Japan, stepped up, started the United Empire, and fully immersed himself in New Japan. 
establishing himself as one of the best wrestlers in the world and somebody who is an undisputed main eventer and who at 30 years old um, might be the most valuable asset in the company with all due respect to the man who was in the second main event, Jay White. He is easily the top gaijin in Japan. Um, No debate. Kenny Omega feels that he told Jay White and Will Ospreay to pick up the ball that he's putting down and running with it and that they've just let him down. Of course, being a little shit heel and talking about how, you know, the crowds disappeared and it's not because of the pandemic. It's because Will Ospreay <laughs> sucks. Um, That's great. <laughs> and this this has been a long time coming. Uh, every chance that they got, if you asked Omega about Osprey or Osprey about Omega, they shit talked each other in a way that really did feel real. And like maybe is real. It's hard to know. Right. Like, you know, you never know when it comes to New Japan. But I've stayed in small rooms, brah. I stayed in small rooms all across Asia. What have you uh, done? It's and uh, it's been extremely well done. The storyline has been a slow burn into this absolutely cataclysmic event. Well deserving of being a co-main event. Kenny Omega's return to New Japan for the first time in what I, I think it'll be five years to the day that he left. Um, just a real. Uh, was it four years? When did AEW start? 2018 or 2019? I always forget. 2018. No, it was 2019. Oh. So four years to the day that the Elite and, and Kenny Omega leave. Uh, Kenny Omega is going to be cornered by Don Callis, of course. And Osprey at the presser gave... One of the pr- best promos of his career, running over to Omega and talking to him about how Kenny's had it easy going back and forth to Florida while Will Ospreay's taking 15 hour flights, trying to avoid war zones that he's flying over, being locked up for two weeks and then wrestling to crowds that can't make any noise and all the while being belittled by the guy who left the company behind. Um, impassioned, strong, and Osprey has made mention several times to the fact that, as far as he's concerned, he ended Kota Ibushi's career, caved in Kota Ibushi's head. Kota Ibushi never came back. Now he's been very careful to not say Ibushi's name, but we all know who he's talking about. Omega, for his part, has made a reference to it as well, saying in his promo coming back that I haven't forgotten what you've done. And I'm coming for you. Um, Kota Ibushi has been seen with President Obari at an event recently. <laughs> I <think it's> Obama. <laughs> <laughs> with President Obama, Kota Ibushi. I got my boy Ibushi here. <laughs> he is the uh, Golden Nine, as we call him. The Golden, uh, golden Star. The Golden Star of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you go too far, you make him like fucking, you make him the daddy magic. Macho Man. <laughs> the uh, Golden Star Sports Entertainment. Um, It's hard to know if Coda shows up to this, but this the, the table's set. More importantly, though, Kenny Omega, fresh off of healing from his injury, looking like he's packed on a ton of muscle, looking as spry as we've seen him since AEW started, and showing up with extensions that easily doubled his hair length, and more importantly, 
coming out to Devil Sky, his New Japan theme. This match is going to be, if done correctly, an all-timer of a match. I'm glad to see uh, T-shirt Kenny is dead. That was not, that <laughs> yes. was not fun. No one, no one enjoyed, no one enjoyed Under Armour Kenny. He's fat. Uh, <laughs> so over under Damien, 25 minutes. I'm going to put this at just over, but this at just over. I don't think it hits the 30 minute mark, but I'm going to put this at like a comfortable 27. I think that they're really going to let this match burn. Consequently, however, and this is the crux of the story here, right? Now, Osprey is telling a very similar story to what he is told, what he told uh, against Okada in the G1 final, which is that I'm not living in anybody's shadow anymore. I am in what he said to Kenny Mega. I am the shadow. The shadow has become as big as you are. Another great promo uh, following Kenny calling him out. So the stories are similar and they're, they're, they're two separate sides of the same coin. Kenny Omega, a long time uh, foil. Yeah, I'll say a long time foil, you know, to, well, uh, obviously a long time foil to Okada and the heir apparent of Osprey to him after leaving his mentor and big brother in Okada and Osprey transitioning out of being a heel into more of a tweener, somebody very over with the crowd. Um, My heart wants Osprey to kick the ever-loving shit out of Kenny Omega. My brain thought that that was the logical conclusion, and I'm starting to doubt that. It is entirely conceivable that Kenny Omega takes this title from Osprey on the grandest stage and forces Osprey into a crisis of self that leads to him overcoming both Kenny and then Okada to become the undisputed top guy in New Japan. So, you know, I'm going to take the opposite approach with that. And much as I feel like we would be, if we, if our podcast existed back then, I feel like our attitude of the same conversation would be the same on Kenny's perspective against Okada. Whereas we would be saying the same things that, you know, this is going to, that was going to be his coming out party. And obviously Kenny's road to that point was much different than Osprey's here. But you have to ask yourself what the benefit is. Um, and, you know, Kenny was able to do what he did because he was staying with the company. And I think Osprey is going to be more so in New Japan's purview for the next couple months than Kenny will be. Um, but I think New Japan is frothing at the mouth to get an Omega run. Um, aside from the trios in AEW, he's not really doing much anything else. So I think, you know, maybe that's what he wants too. But I don't know, man. I think Osprey would be the smarter move here. I think that the question you have to ask yourself is twofold. First off, what do you think New Japan thinks is best for business? Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega, an undisputed draw, uh, helping to preside. Now, the elite would have you believe that like they are the sole reason New Japan had the years that they had in 27, 2018. And of course... Uh, it's the common, sure, they, they absolutely mattered and they helped draw the American crowd in a way very few ever have, or maybe ever will, but Okada's historic two-year reign, uh, LIJ, Naito's rise to the top, all of this contributes to that just as much. Um, 
However, it's undisputed that Kenny is a proven moneymaker for New Japan. Uh, he is fluent in Japanese and made sure to let everybody remind everybody of that. And Kenny Omega in New Japan has an air that even to this day, even when he was AEW champion, never manifested the same way. Uh, he just feels like a different performer. And I think that you are going to see that in the ring, especially when given time with Osprey. So this could also be a 12 minute match that just never fucking lets up. Also entirely possible. But I don't want Omega winning if he's just going to fucking go back to the States and yep. bring it around AEW and do fucking nothing with it because New Japan needs their goddamn belts in their goddamn promotion. Yeah. However, if this leads to Kenny Omega having a more prolonged run in Japan, then then I understand the logic. I just don't see that as happening because we still have to figure out what's up with the trios titles. And to be honest, um, don't care. Dave's elite boner is really showing here. Oh man, you know, dude. Oh, this it's is the best set. This dead. is the best of set. This is the best, best of seven in history. And like, fine, sure. I, I can't tell you how I I can't tell you off the top of my head how many I know uh, that are a best of seven match. So it feels like a kind of easy thing to say. But also, with full respect to Death Triangle, who I adore, and to Kenny and Pac and separately the Bucks and Lucha Brothers, who all have immense chemistry, and all these matches have felt different enough. It, it I, I just don't really see the end game to it. And like, I sure as shit don't care about making sure we properly resolve the trios title as much as I do about what happens to the IWGP US championship at a time when Osprey has elevated it to near intercontinental championship status. Yeah. I, but I, what if the elite lose the trios tournament? That is a possibility. Maybe they want Death Triangle to get the rub here and then it opens up Kenny. I don't know. Is Tony Khan ready to let Kenny Omega have a prolonged stint in Japan? He's probably the only performer that's not named John Moxley in the AEW roster that can pull that card if he wants, mm-hmm. aside from like maybe Chris Jericho. But uh, is Tony Khan willing to do that? Is that what is it? And I just don't know. I don't know. We have to ask the important question, though, Damien. Are we getting little tables in this match? <laughs> um, hard to say. Hard to say. But somebody's going to do a moonsault off of the of a gate. That'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's heart, fucking. Oh heart tells me. Heart tells me. Osprey. Brain's starting to tell me Omega. It's usually how it goes, right? Uh, but to the point earlier about lapsed fans, this match. The the lead up to this match, more than any other match I can think of in recent history, really does confirm that people that have bitched about New Japan for the past four years just don't care about the company without the elite in it. Oh, yeah. Kenny Omega, that was always the case, man. Kenny Omega is not correct in kayfabe. He is straight up not correct. Will Ospreay became a bona fide fucking star. Main eventing, matching for match with Okada. Like, Kenny Omega is not only the heel, he's a delusional shit heel, and yet he has convinced all of these m m m marks 
that he's right. Like, that's how I know you don't watch the promotion. You don't care about it. And that's fine. But don't suddenly come out of the fucking woodworks like, oh, you know, Kenny Omega winning is what's best for New Japan. Like, they're a fucking Japanese promotion. They care about what's best for Japan. That's who they are. Right. You stupid fucking idiots. One of them lives there. One of them does it. <laughs> so it's cool so an- the guy who is from Winnipeg, right? It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Where's the t-shirts? Oh, oh I hope the, new the t-shirt. I hope the new Japan guy comes out making a joke about North Carolina. You stupid <laughs> fucking marks. And I say this as somebody whose favorite wrestler is probably Kenny Omega. Or at least top five. Like, just Hard whatever K happens. Right there, Damian Hard K. Whatever happens. <laughs> Mark <laughs> Melter's gonna come out. He gave the hard K. He gave the hard K. I, I don't know. It's all disrespectful to me. <laughs> it's the same as the N word. <laughs> uh, Brains on the table. <laughs> and this brings us to the ultimate main event. Here we go. The G1 champion, Kazuchika Okada, at the end of the 50th anniversary year of New Japan. Taking on the fifth ever IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the Switchblade, the Catalyst, the leader of Bullet Club, the last rock and roller, the real belt collector himself, your first ever true Grand Slam champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Jay White. And Jay White is coming into uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17 with a 4-1 to one record against the Rainmaker. Now, let's put cards on the table here, folks. Hate to tell you, there is zero suspense to this match. I was about zero. to say. <laughs> there is there is absolutely no suspense to be had at this match. But that doesn't really matter, does it? But that does not matter because when the story is told well and when the rivalry is good, it doesn't matter. My The only blemish to this match really is that Jay only defended the belt like once, I think maybe twice. Uh, and so his reign feels very like, eh which unfortunately mm-hmm. happens sometimes in new Japan. Cause they just, you know, champion the, the heavyweight champion doesn't necessarily defend that many times. And Jay also doesn't like live in Japan, but yeah, they got to do a little better. Like we can hate on the laps fan, but like they, they have to do a better job from carrying their big championship moments on January 4th until because it's like, I don't know, I feel like Jay, like you, so when did Jay White get the belt again? Dominion. Okay. And Dominion. <clears throat> is like their summer is, show. Dominion is where you can expect things like this to happen. Because I'm not mistaken, Dominion is also where Kenny beat Okada. So Kinda like, like it, how, how SummerSlam is like the heel show, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, it's a way to look at it for sure. I don't know. They um, need to do a better, better job of, of no, like for, reminding the, people the, who who champion is. You know, the time between Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom, it's because it is like the is it the best of Super Juniors app for sure. It's the World Tag League. It's the Super Junior Tag League. Best of Super Juniors might be after like it's a spell where the heavyweight champion does not really get a ton of time to shine. I'm sorry. You, it, after Dominion is the G1 right now. So it's like the G1 
It's the best of Super Juniors. It's World Tag League. It's Super Junior Tag League. There's just not a lot of opportunities for the champion to have defenses because it's G1 season. Tournaments, bro. Um, It is the downfall to having so many tournaments, uh, as great as they all are. But regardless, the Switchblade won in convincing fashion against the Rainmaker. He has had the Rainmaker's number ever since turning on Chaos and Okada. Um, but this is Okada's moment. And Okada also refused a briefcase. He was like, no, no other title, no briefcase. Just I'm at Wrestle Kingdom. That's what it is, <laughs> which was very funny and very in character for Okada to just be like, no, I want a G1. That matters. I'm I'm at Wrestle Kingdom now that Jonah beat me. He can face me, but I, I'm at Wrestle Kingdom either way. <laughs> so that was yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> You're uh, going to pull this but- fucking carny shit and take away my briefcase no no money in the bank contract no it's just no it's all gone it's all gone now i'm just okada's at wrestle kingdom it's the most fucking rainmaker shit i've ever heard this match is gonna go over 30 jay white is gonna show everyone and remind everyone why he is arguably the most important asset in japan over 40 over everybody over everybody no over 40 over 40 minutes Rare that you see that the rivalry is absolutely worthy. And and here's something that I haven't even mentioned. This is the official return of cheering to New Japan. The January no clap 6th, crowds. The January Sixers got their wish. <laughs> <laughs> no more. I won't say no COVID restrictions. Technically, there's not allowed to be chants that go longer than 10 or 20 seconds. But like, I, I don't know. How many chants can you think of in wrestling that go that fucking long? Yeah, I think it was just a way to get a rule in and then just like, uh, yeah. we're not going to be able to enforce it. There's like some sections that are going to be louder and it is a Japanese crowd. So I do expect that it won't necessarily sound as loud as Wrestle Kingdom's past. But ultimately, this is the Japanese crowd's return to form. You are getting a fully locked and loaded Tokyo Dome. Um, So who knows? This match could go over 40. But if I had to guess... I'd say like 33. Okay. I think you're going to get a classic. I think Okada gets that win back, stands tall at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. And I'm not sure that there's a swerve at the end. It might just be Okada stands tall, delivers speech to roaring fans, Rainmaker pose, confetti, end of the night. Um, But like you said, it doesn't matter that it's a near certainty that Okada is going to win because... The story is great. The rivalry is great. And Jay White is the best heel in the game. So don't worry about it. And in (laughs) case anyone forgot, uh, just in case anybody needs reminding, Big Match Okada is 100% a thing. And if you don't think each of these performers, Kazuchika Okada especially, is going to be absolutely fired up in front of a roaring Japanese crowd in a possibly sold out Tokyo Dome, you're out of your mind, you know? And I I just don't think it matters. I don't think the result matters. So Jay White's 4-1 and one over Okada? 4-1. and one. Has Okada ever lost on the scale like this? Like, has he ever lost... Like main like event a, of Wrestle Kingdom? Uh, I mean, I think, I yeah. think there's been at least one... I, well... Remember, right. he lost to Naito. So he lost to Naito in the golden in the the double dash the the 
what is it? Double gold dash. When Naito finally got to be double champion and then immediately got attacked by Kenta. Oh, that's um, true. Okay. All right. So, so, so yes, he has lost at that level. However, has he ever lost in the, like it's, it's, a would this be his most monumental loss if he were to lose? I think that when he lost to Naito, like he wasn't even mad about it. You know, he like, looked over and he kind of smirked and it was like this, you know, cause him and Naito are the ultimate rivalry and it was like a feel good moment that, and then, you know, Kenta happened, but either way it was a huge loss, but it also didn't necessarily feel like, Holy shit. Like this is crazy necessarily. Yeah. A loss to Jay white here, bringing Jay white to five and one would not only be arguably the biggest loss in Okada's career, but would also, I think signify a possibly historic changing of the guard in which New Japan and Gato are making it clear that Gaijin can absolutely be the undisputed top guys, which is not something that has ever happened in New Japan history. No amount of Scott Norton's or Kenny Omega's or um, Bob Sapp's or Brock Lesnar's or Jay White's have ever done something like that before. Uh, they've never felt like the top guy. It's a Japanese promotion. It's for Japanese people primarily, as it like should be. A win by Jay White here would signify that New Japan is like fully open for business and is like, if you're willing to commit here, you can be a top guy. Because something has to give with Okada in that aspect, right? Am I well, remiss in saying that? Because I got no, no, like, no, okay, look. we can easily say he wins, but then what? Look, he's been top guy since 2012. I don't think you're like, I don't think you're remiss for saying that. I just think that the context, the return to form for the crowds, the end of the 50th year anniversary, mm-hmm. the death of Antonio Inoki. A, I nice, just think a nice tip of the cap. Yeah. Are you really going to end that with like a foreign heel standing <laughs> stupid tall? Stupid Jay White. <laughs> stupid Jay White yelling at that. Like, are, do you, like, I don't think that's how this ends. And I... You know, think about it from any other perspective. Like, we like Jay White because Jay White's fucking great. But, like, if this storyline happened anywhere else, like, would you be happy if Triple H won? You know, would you be happy if MJF stands tall over, like, the hero? Like, you wouldn't be happy about that. And the crowd needs to be sent home happy. And that's why, ultimately, Okada's raising this belt again for the historic ninth. Well, I mean... Counting lineage, I think like ninth time. Nope. I'm y- yes. No, no. Tanahashi's nine times. I think this would be like Okada's fourth. Is it no, the overall? No, I'm theme? definitely no. I'm I'm wrong. I'm definitely fucking this up. O- Okada's a five time champion. Got it. Is that the overlying theme to this Wrestle Kingdom? It's like okay, we're back, but relax. Yeah, he's a five-time IWGP heavyweight champion, one-time world heavyweight champion. So this would be his seventh title, IWGP title win. The theme of this Wrestle Kingdom, at least for this match, is we are happy to work with people, but this is fucking New Japan. Japan. New Japan. And the ace goes over. Such a nationalist take. I mean, it's a very nationalist country. Not I, <laughs> no way to really avoid is, yeah, that. Probably more than America. <laughs> it is. It is extremely problematic. But you know, it is what it is. 
All right, so before we wrap up, let me ask you this. Where does Jay White go from here if he loses? You got a lot of ways you can go, all right? Jay White, after losing to Ibushi, looked like he might have been going in a totally different direction with his character. Uh, That turned out to not happen. A loss here at this level, I think you see one of two things. I think for sh- I th- I think what probably happens is you will get a true Bullet Club split in 2023 where the House of Torture fully splits off of Bullet Club and you you get Bullet Club like halved or something. Mm-hmm. So a loss here would probably set him up to be like you're not you're not the guy and you know evil or Kenta or somebody goes after him, but that's probably where I think he'd go. Alternatively, if you really wanted to, I don't see it happening, but you could have him go back to that like uh that 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 Jay White after losing to Kota Ibushi uh where he's just questioning everything about himself where he's like you're not talking to Jay, you're talking to Jamie. Oh and boy. <laughs> maybe he really doesn't know who he is anymore. So I don't I don't know. I but I would guess this leads to a bullet club house of torture war would be my guess. Okay. As for who I think is the first challenger uh against Kazuchika Okada, I think that if you believe that Kota Ibushi does in fact show up, I think Kota Ibushi showing up here and being like I'm back and I'm ready for my rematch as Okada has said since that G1 win with an asterisk after Ibushi gets hurt. I think that would be a really good place to start. Um, Other than that, you could go a couple of ways. I think other challengers that Okada's kind of got ready lined up is you could kind of run Shingo at basically any point. Now, I think he's pretty well established. Um, I think that you could have another member of Bullet Club. I think you could have it be like evil. Not that, I'm saying people want that, but like that could be a thing. Um, you could see it be a Tanahashi or someone. There's, there's a, you know, there's some options, but I, like I said, I'm not sure that I see a challenger come out tonight. I think, I think no, it's just I, Okada they, standing tall. I hope they don't do that. Don't, don't get too cute with it. And uh, an hour, 14 minutes later, that's the rundown, babies. It's pretty good for us. I mean, look, a lot of there's a lot of storyline to get in here, and I wanted to make sure that everybody who listens to this fresh in the morning has everything they need to get through this uh, this this whopper of a card that I am just uh, beaming with excitement about. So and that that leads us right into our listener questions, which I think I gave a cute name at some point, but like I don't have anything anymore. Uh, uh. I don't know. I was gonna make a QAnon joke, but fuck it. It's not funny I I, anymore. <laughs> I think I maybe called it. I think I maybe called it "Ask a Casual" at All some right. point. Cool. So Ryan's gonna take us through, through some of our our beautiful tweeters um, in that fucking libertarian hellscape <laughs> that, that Twitter is now. So Ryan, what do we got? What do we got? Who's 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 got questions for the Papas? Okay. Our first question comes from at. Yo, shame, a.k.a. friend of the podcast, Matthew Brescia. Hello, Matthew. And Matthew asks, where does Sasha go from New Japan if she shows up? 
Is this a stunt to amplify her impending AEW debut? Or do you think there's more to that? Also, how many stars does Dave give Kenny versus Osprey? My guess is between 8 through 14. Okay, so first off, Matthew, great questions. Thanks for listening. Always a big, you know, love love to talk to a listener. You know, hit us up on Twitter some other time. Uh, I don't think that this is going to break the 7.25 record just because the Okada Omega like trilogy quadrilogy, if you want to count the G1 match, which I guess you probably should. It like is probably just too good of a series of matches to beat. However, I think that regardless of result, unless they show absolutely no chemistry out of nowhere, I think this is getting an easy six stars, maybe six and a half. Fair. I agree with that. Uh, He's just uh, between Kenny and Osprey being like Meltzer's favorite wrestler. Just I and and the fact that it is probably going to be an incredible match. I yeah, I I think it's going over six stars easy. I also think they don't want it to be bigger than the last match. Well, they may not want it, but also there's a reason that they call it a double main event. Yeah, that's and true. like <laughs> if you're going to have a match where everybody's like, yeah, Okada's going to win, then maybe this is the match where you're like you inject some intrigue. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's also like if they have Osprey win, then they're probably not running this match back again, in which case they're going to pull out all the stops. If you think that this is destined to be a longer feud, that means Omega is going to win. And then you'll probably see a gradual building to that point. But it is six and a half stars. Uh, But of course, yeah, the elephant in the room here. Did Sasha Banks sign with New Japan really just so that like it's time to get to AEW? And the answer is nobody knows. Right. I know it's a boring answer, but nobody knows. She is a free agent. We know she signed some dates for New Japan for stardom. Uh, If she does, in fact, show up, she will 100 percent win the IWGP Women's Championship. Does she at that point come back to the States? Right. Um, I think that that question's answer probably depends on what do you think matters more to Mercedes Renato for her career? her wrestling career or her overall celebrity. Mm-hmm. If you believe that Mercedes's general idea is I want to be as big a fucking star as I can, then I'm not going to say that this is like a, a, you know, it's not like a ploy. I think that she, you know, I, I think that just because you want to be a celebrity or whatever, doesn't mean that you can't love professional wrestling, right? You see that with the rock and John Cena. So uh, I don't think one needs to preclude the other, but if you think that she is, is largely doing this because she wants to make her longevity of her career a priority, then yeah, she's going to bring that title back to AEW or, you know, AEW. And she said goodbye to WWE. That door is closed for now. Um, yes. But if you think that for her, she's like, I want to see how far my wrestling career can go then I could see her staying in Japan longer. But either way, she's not going to like be living in Japan. She will almost certainly show up in AEW, and I think it's just a matter of time. This is certainly her doing something she always wanted to do. This is for her. I don't think this is for her celebrity. This, mm-hmm. is, this is mainly, this is right time, right place. Um, maybe Triple H told her to go do this, take some time off, go do you. Um, 
she deserves as big as contract as Charlotte and Becky. I'm sorry. She does. You know, mm-hmm. I, things lead me to believe that Charlotte is going to be petty in some ways because the woman was in the huge Star Wars show and that didn't really move the needle for her apparently. But end all be all, this is for Sasha herself. Yeah, and uh, I agree. Yeah, just for her purposes, don't like let her breathe in this. Don't fucking start. Not you, just everybody. Start, no, no, no. I think no. Don't that's talk it. about a, don't talk about AEW right away. Let her let her do her thing. Absolutely. We'll, we'll see what and, happens. And Either it's her going true... to AEW or she's going to get more money with WWE down the road. That is a true problem that AEW fans have in general, and it's like just part of the larger American wrestling discourse right now. But it it I don't know. I mean, you definitely see it. Not to be Mr. You know, enlightened centrist, but you absolutely do see it from both sides. AEW fans want to believe that every single wrestler in the world would be better in AEW. WWE fans feel that there's no other place worth wasting your time yep. than WWE. But lost in that discourse is that, like you said, this callous craven discussion about like, is this all a ploy? Like, it's not a... It, Sasha Banks obviously loves wrestling because if you don't love wrestling, you don't do it for this long. You certainly don't fucking like you certainly don't put your goddamn body on a line like this, the way that Sasha Banks does. If you don't love the shit out of professional wrestling and if you love the shit out of professional wrestling, AEW fans can cry all day long. New Japan is the place you go. That's the place that lets you be whatever wrestler you want to be. Um. It's there's a reason why Japan is held in such high esteem for like wrestlers and wrestling fans. And this is why. So I agree. Uh, but not that not that uh, uh, at yo underscore shame is doing that. Right. It's a good question. Um, so my answer would be, I think it depends on what you think matters more to her. But I don't see her leaving Japan immediately. But she will show up in AEW within the next four months. We've got that whole storyline with Soraya's uh, mystery partner. It's widely speculated to be Sasha. So, you know, we'll see. Very well said. All Thank right. you, Matthew. Our next question comes from at Waster Triple Zero. That's and a that's stupid name. Stupid name. That's Uncle Tony. <laughs> Uncle Tony, Anthony Capozzi, lead singer of Lost Becomes, Th- Thracian, Carve Your Niche, every other metal band that's ever played Amityville. If Carl Anderson... Eh, fuck. God damn it. Still 13. If Carl Anderson wins or loses, do you think that this could open a working relationship between both WWE and New Japan? Do you want to see that personally? Good question. That's a good question, Anthony. Uh, I think that the simple fact that Carl Anderson left with the Never Belt, showed up at WWE, was referred to as Never Champion, and then comes back, at the very least shows that like there is some form of a dialogue between like I don't either Triple H or Stephanie because Nick Khan's kind of more on the business side. I don't know if he'd be in in this particular thing, but either way, there's obviously some sort of like dialogue between them. If Bailey shows up with Sasha with Mercedes Vernado tonight, and like they show they show her and she's like next to her or like in the ring. Then absolutely, there's that. That's something. There is some sort of partnership. Uh, 
Shinsuke Nakamura being sent over to pro wrestling Noah, while that's less seismic because WWE has worked with Noah in the past, still matters. Um, even if it is Keiji Muto. So, uh, and he, was his question specifically if Anderson wins or was it win or lose? Um, if Anderson wins. If Anderson retains... Oh, no, he said like or losses. A, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I think he's yeah. just so, generally asking, does this open up a door for WWE? If he wins, then aside from that being one of the worst booking decisions Gato can make, yeah, 100%, I don't see how it can't be. But win or loss, yeah, I think there's a dialogue happening. Do I want to see that personally? Yes and no. Ryan say this on the podcast all the time. Uh, the more options wrestlers have, the better. And if that means that wrestlers can go to WWE and actually like get to work in New Japan, if that means that New Japan wrestlers can get on American TV, and if that can raise New Japan stock in America and blah, 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 and contracts go up and people get more money, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the industry. It's a good thing for wrestlers. Wrestlers deserve more money for the fucking jobs they do. However, uh, Triple H, Vince McMahon, Vincent senior it doesn't matter uh corporations don't like sharing companies don't you know billion dollar corporations don't just do shit for the goodness of their heart and the fact that they have wanted a foothold in japan for so long that wasn't just a vince thing like triple h talked about nxt japan as well you do wonder if that was a true partnership how equitable it would be um so I, I think it's yes and no. Yes, I'd want to see it for the benefit of wrestlers and as a fan. No, for like the business standpoint of I don't really know that that would work out in New Japan's favor or the Japanese wrestling landscape as a whole. I think at the very least, if you have an established history with New Japan, it will open the door for you and you will be given the opportunity to go back. So yeah, I think if you're a big enough star, like then they might be like, yeah, or a Shinsuke. Or, yeah, then I could see it being like, yeah, go ahead if you want. Yeah, so good question. So that Good question, Tony. Thank you. Okay, our doesn't, next. Doesn't, Tony, doesn't Tony's album come out soon? It does. It didn't yet, though. No, it's on the way, though. They have a new video. They have a newer video out that came out last month, so go check that out. Yeah, go listen to Lost Becomes. All right, who do we got next? All right, next up. We have at Goldmember182, who bears okay. a sh- striking resemblance to friend of the podcast, birthday boy, Desmond Zantua. Wouldn't be him, though. I don't think so. Um, gold? Gold doesn't I don't think seem he's an, I don't think he's an Austin Powers fan. Yeah. Uh, a two-parter. Logistical question. What's the best way to watch? New Japan want- World. Yeah. We could be smarky and say other things, but New Japan World. No, I mean, look, you can find it streaming somewhere else, I'm sure. But, like, New Japan World always has, like, good sign-up deals around yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. And, like, it is... It's good to it's support just, them. It's, it's, it's a great service. So, whatever. There's your logistical answer. <laughs> Honor Inoki with, with, the, uh, with the fee. Yes. <laughs> and he also has a watching question. What is the top match to watch not featuring an AEWWE talent? What is the storyline story behind it? North American so, analogs would be appreciated as someone who doesn't watch New Japan. And I think we kind of already addressed this, but go ahead. Well, we definitely have gone through the like we've gone through storylines for sure. But asking about a North American analog, that's an interesting question. Um, 
So obviously the single biggest match that doesn't involve WWE or AEW talent, I guess, unless you consider Jay White having shown up on AEW to mean like that he's disqualified is Okada Jay White. I'm going to count that. I'm going to count that. You're going to count that. All right. So if for argument's sake, we don't count that and we're looking at like this is solely New Japan talent, uh, probably the biggest match you're seeing here is going to be the junior heavyweight championship match mm-hmm. just because uh, Taiji Ishimori being as influential as he is Takahashi being the, like the ace of the junior division, El Desperado's rise in popularity and master Wado like coming into his own. Like that's probably, I, I think that that match has the most single implications for a division because it's not just what happens to the belt. It's also what defines the main event scene. Uh, And if you were going to give if I was going to give like a a North American analog, right, I would say that Takahashi and Desperado's rivalry. It's a good question. Would be a good comparison for that, right? Two people that kind of came up at the same time. They've been linked to each other throughout their careers. One of them becomes a superstar. The other one takes a little longer to burn and then kind of reaches those same heights. Might be a good North American analog. I mean, my Kevin Owens in- and Sammy, not a bad one. Yeah, um, for sure. That's that's yeah, that's probably a really good one. Um, my other thought was maybe like Eddie and Rey Mysterio. Okay, I don't necessarily. You would, you would I, understand the deeper personal connection between them. Well, Eddie and Rey, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, did they start at the same time, or did Eddie start sooner? Uh. Eddie started sooner. I mean, you know, it's funny. Like Eddie, they probably started at the same time. It was just that Ray Mysterio but different was, ages. was 12 when he fucking yeah. started. <laughs> Ray started at like seven and yeah. Eddie was 14. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's a good comparison fair. though. I like that. I like that. I, I would say like, if you want to keep it in that like area, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of like wrestling spheres that they hail from. Yeah. Then, then like you could say that, um, but honestly, Sammy, Sammy and Kevin Owens, that's a really interesting one because it also gives you the more concrete uh, heel face dynamic where like Sammy has almost always been the face. Uh, they wrestle different styles where Hiromu's a little flashier. Desperado's more power based uh, up until Takahashi started becoming a little bit more power based and put on some more weight. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of been connected throughout their entire career. Um, I guess the weird thing about Sammy and Kevin Owens is like, neither of them, I would argue have had the success they should at the highest level. Like both of them should have been at this point, multiple time champions in WWE. And I, I really don't think there's good reason why they have not to this point. Injuries, no injuries doesn't matter, but yeah, I think that's a good that's a good comparison. And if we wanted to give like an older comparison of a similar situation, what would you think if we if we want to go back to like the 80s? Uh, hmm. I don't know, because there's so many large characters in the 80s, like, I don't know, Steamboat Flair. 
Flair's such larger than life, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to say Flair because he was, like, older than all of them. Yeah, maybe, like, um, uh, maybe like Steamboat and Sting? Did they have, like, a rivalry like that? No, that's true. No. Brett and, uh... Maybe, I mean, maybe you could say Rick and Sting. I mean, like, they are significantly younger. Like, Sting's, like, what, ten years younger, but they hit their peaks at the same time. I think they're both the same age. I don't think so. Isn't Rick like well, in the seventies? St- oh, Rick. I'm sorry. I thought you meant Steamboat. No, they they're definitely in the same age. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, Rick and Sting. Yeah. Rick. Rick uh, St- Rick, he he looks a little older. I'm pretty sure Rick Rick Flair is only like seventy two. You know what? Let's. I think let. I think let's not overthink it. If you yeah. gave us some time, we probably could come up with a, a good historical one. But yeah, Sammy and Kevin Owens is probably like the good. With the only difference being, uh, El Desperado and Hiromu have never like teamed together so it's right. like cut out the friend portion but otherwise yeah good comparison and also the the mudo match for people who probably don't maybe may have may have heard yeah, a little sure. bit of from him. a from a like from a, a pure like these are important people standpoint yeah that's this, probably this biggest. is like if undertaker had a last match with uh aj styles and seth rollins and he fa- or well, sorry like aj styles and maybe like Braun breaker and then he faced like Seth Rollins and uh, uh, I would do you. I'll do you one better. I'll do you. I'll do you one better. This would be if this would be like if Evolution took on the Shield. Cool, perfect. This would be like Ric Flair, Triple H, and Randy Orton taking on like Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Dean Ambrose. Which did they didn't feud at any point, right? Nah, nah. Yeah, so I would say, like, that would be the best comparison, is later era evolution and then, like, early shield. Um, And if you were going to count Okada, Jay White, I mean, that's that at that point, that's the type of analog where you're talking like Sting, Flair. Like, if yep. you're just ignoring that's ages, fair to say. you're just like, this is like the biggest foreign guy anywhere and like you're you've got the hometown hero that everybody loves yeah uh good question des good question may or not may not be desmond uh right yeah i'm 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 assuming person who may or may not be desmond our last question on twitter comes from at chris sween dog and of course we know who this is hello chris host of marking out co-host of marking out chris sweeney and mr sweeney x not Wrestle Kingdom related, but do you think the match earlier this week with Nakamura will open the door to Muda going to the WWE Hall of Fame? Also, do you think Tony is going to watch any Wrestle Kingdom? Tony will absolutely not watch Wrestle Kingdom. He might watch highlights from the Osprey Omega match. Yes, and he also answered the question, I'll watch the results on Twitter and Reddit on my way into work. So, <laughs> no, he yeah. won't. No, he won't. Um, yes, I, I while I wouldn't necessarily say that I think Keiji Muto is like an absolute lock for WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, if Inoki is able to get into the Hall of Fame, I think Muda and, is and Jushin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Liger as well. Like, um, being that WWE kind of looks at WCW history as its own, whether it should or should not is obviously irrelevant. But like, it does. Um, Muda is a former WCW tag champion. He's one of the biggest crossover stars in Japanese history. Uh, his rivalry with Sting alone would probably put him there. And yeah, I think this 
I think it gives a greater I think it gives greater credence to the idea that WWE views Keiji Muto as like an important figure in wrestling history. And they they'll they like to, you know, give out Hall of Fame shit for that sometimes. I, shame on me. I thought he was already in. I think they're just waiting. You for thought him to that finish. because I erroneously told, told okay. you that two days ago. I was e- wrong. even if you didn't tell me if you put me on the spot and asked me, I would have said yes, just because I know of his crossover power. But I don't think they're that dumb. I think they just want him to finish up his little tour here, and then they could do a proper send off to him. Yeah, they'll they'll give him a thing. I I think so. Good simple question, Chris. Twitter questions. So I got a couple of additional text questions here as we wrap up. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So the first uh, the first one comes from our good pal. Uh, Reigning create a pro wrestler of the year, create a pro heavyweight champion, the one lunged angel, and now one like I get literally the one winged angel. The man, the, you know, he hates symmetry. Uh, Bryce Donovan. Bryce asks if you had to do a cross country road trip with three New Japan wrestlers, who would you pick? Ooh. Uh, so, all right. So, first off, yeah. So, first off, um, Yoshinobu Kanemaru is coming because the man literally travels to the ring with a bottle of whiskey. So, like, I don't really know how I'd leave him off anything I went. Uh, part of me then wants to say the other two would be Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay because the banter would be absurd. But for the sake of my own shit, I'm going to say... Uh, I would really want to do a trip and, and let's assume that language barriers don't matter as much either. They, people speak English or Japanese better. Or there's translators, whatever. Um, I think I would go Kanemaru, Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo Takage with a strong runner up being Tetsuya Naito. Cool. Uh, I'm going to say Kojima because I want to have lovely breakfast with him. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to. I want to hear Kojima talk about French toast while just ripping through loaves with those fucking arms of his. I think you need a lo-fi guy just to keep things real. You know. I agree. I agree. Uh, definitely, I want Naito there just because I think he. You can make an argument for Tanahashi, but I think Naito has more of like the, like the rock star. Well, okay. that man funny. That man funny. Like but Tanahashi is a great call who, because like he'll get you anywhere. Who's gonna get you in the better clubs, Naito or Tanahashi? I mean, Naito is gonna get you definitely get you into like the seedier places that you're not sure you like wanna the, the be. Seedier goth clubs. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean Tanahashi is like he'll get you wherever you need to go. But yeah, no, I good good call as well. All right, so then we have a we need like a, I need like a real, real spicy boy. If I got two, two base guys like that, I'm going to say Takahashi. That dude definitely can fucking. Hiromu, yo, th- yeah, he definitely is into weird yeah. shit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could see him like, you know, like, drink shot. I want to say Toru Yanu <laughs> because he'll be a constant source of uh, money from selling you would, DVDs. You would hate him. I would, 10 I, would minutes I was about to say, I'm going to throw him off the bus. <laughs> make left That's why it. you make left go left <laughs> like you'd, you'd hate him you immediately go. get off the bus DVD <laughs> I take it back nobody DVDs anymore god damn it <laughs> <laughs> NFT <laughs> he starts talking uh, NFTs chaos, chaos NFT <laughs> chaos NFTs <laughs> uh, great question yeah it's a, it's a good one Bryce heal up soon um 
Okay. Next question comes from another one of our fairly long-term wrestler uh, listeners, my good friend Noah. Noah asks, I've always wondered, why aren't there other world-renowned wrestling organizations? Like, is there anything big in Europe or Africa? Uh, that's a really good question that doesn't necessarily have a single answer, but I'm going to do the best to, you know, to, to say as much as I can, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking Europe, the only scene that you would really put in that same vein would be Britress, which got absolutely decimated. Uh, depending on who you talk to, some people think NXT UK just like took all of the talent. Uh, it was also hit extremely hard by the the uh, the speaking out. I was about to say it was their own because there was a shit ton of sex pests, whole Jesus. lot of sex pests. Um, also, you have to look at it from the aspect of British British wrestling has a different tradition. You know, it's mainly it does. it's it's rooted in carnivals and stunt work and doesn't have um, the pedigree of fights like America has. Right. Catch as can wrestling. It's more so of a show. It's more so of like a ringside attraction. And that's really yeah. what it retained over the years. Also, like, you know, you got anybody on the streets today, it's like, name me a wrestler, they say Hulk Hogan. Uh, they say Big Daddy. And Big Daddy was just, like, this big guy who came out and kissed babies and, like, you know, he wasn't really much of a wrestler, but, you know. It, it, a different yeah. different tradition. Damien is correct in saying um, Britain would be your main attraction. Uh, I should know more. We should know more about European wrestling. No. I think Germany has a good scene. Yeah, Germany's got like a, a pretty. I, I would say that they've got probably one of the bigger scenes. Uh, the new European champion, new European Championship wrestling is like throughout Europe. Uh, Alex Wright owns that. Um, Mid Carter and WCW, but um, and then like especially once you go abroad, um. Probably the biggest organization, like then you've got like Gleet, uh, but that's, you know, that's Japan, but I th- you know what? I kind of thought it was Chinese, but I'm wrong. So uh, obviously Japan speaks for itself. Um, and then Africa, like Africa has very little to talk about, like the Pan-African Championship just kind of, I think it just broke onto the scene like within the last two, three years, might've even been. During the pandemic, Trisha Dora was champion for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so as for like why there don't exist, you know, wrestling promotions anywhere else that are like world renowned. Part of it is means. Uh, another part is that because WWE became synonymous with wrestling and before WWE, you know, the NWA, like the NWA had some things throughout Europe and it had, you know, in Japan, but. It was just kind of like if you want to be big in wrestling, you go to America. Right. You join NWA and then you join WWE. So part of it and and then for other parts of the world, especially like Eastern Europe or um I mean not necessarily Eastern Europe, but like parts of Eastern Europe and in Asia, you go to Japan. You go to Japan just you know, ease of convenience. Remember yeah. wrestling historically is not a career path that pays particularly a lot. 
Uh, it is difficult to raise families. You're constantly on the move, especially during the early territory days. Uh, even now, you know, it, even with it being easier than it ever has, you're still traveling all the time. I think these days it's more easier for someone not outside those spheres to go into MMA. Is um, it more easier? Well, like, for example, like... In, is it more easier, Ryan? Is that what you think it is? It's more easier? Are you, is, this, is this a trick? Tricking more me? E- you fucking more me? E- more easier. More simple? I don't know. What is this fucking English class? Boo! More easy. More easy. Jesus God. Christ. More easy to go to MMA. Uh, yeah. In Africa, Senegalese wrestling is probably like where you would go to Brazil for MMA. In Africa, mm-hmm. you would go to the Senegal for a rich hist- uh, tradition of wrestling. And I think they would prefer that over like scripted stuff. But yeah. I mean, like you go to India, they fucking like they love WWE. It's just a matter now, of I- it's just a matter of an actual uh, history there. You know what I mean? So. Now, with that said, of course, uh, something that has been left out of this conversation that is fair um, is like Mexico. Of course, yeah, Mexico, Triple On, CMLL are world renowned. Those are probably the biggest world renowned yeah, promotions you're going to find. I think that was a part of the question. I don't think you, I'll include it as part of that. That's the obvious answer if that was the case, if that was not. That's the main answer that wasn't meant to be included. Yeah. But like you can also say Samoa. Like Oh well sure. Yeah, yeah. Samoa, right. New Zealand, or Australia. Like Peter Maivia and stuff like that. So Um, but but if you're talking like world renowned, the only world renowned ones you're really gonna be looking at is like Triple R C M L L. Yep. Um so yeah, and and, and, and honestly, or they were all bought out by Vince. Like Canada would <laughs> the, be great. That's answer, the other but... side of the coin, right? Like the realistic answer is wrestling has never paid enough and has not provided the benefits or stability for people to take risks in their home country if their home country was not Japan or Mexico or America. Mm-hmm. Um so like you go to the place that has the best chance of paying you something that you can live on, which for the vast majority of the world has been WWE or before WWF or, you know, Memphis, WWWF, et cetera, et cetera. But also WWE doesn't like to play nice. And if they get a foothold in an industry, they'd rather just take all of the talent for themselves. Like yep. that is historically what they do. So Although let's see in the next 20 years. Let's see if someone else come. Let's see if a territory is established somewhere. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, so good question. No, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, do I have one more? Or do I have two more? I have one more, I think. Okay. Uh, and that comes from another longtime listener, my good friend Vinny Patron, who uh, is our runner-up winner in our fantasy football league. So congratulations, Vin. Uh, and is an expectant father. Must be nice to have an established champion. Ryan's got a big ol' asterisk next to his. Yeah. So uh, the first question he asked her, what are the odds of Mercedes showing up at Wrestle Kingdom, which we've addressed like a near certainty, I would say. Uh, his next he gave us four. Uh, he gave us five, actually, but they're they're easy enough to answer. Uh, his second question. Uh, he wants to know who is going to go one on one with The Undertaker and said that his friend Theodore 
asked that. Uh, Theodore Long. Um, to which I'm going to say, uh, hopefully no one, Undertaker should never work a wrestling match ever again. Um, but his two actual questions were, what's next for Katsuyori Shibata? So Katsuyori Shibata recently had a match against Filthy Tom Lawyer. Um, and where was that? It wasn't a New Japan event, I don't believe. Um, but I'm having trouble remembering where exactly it is. But he he had a, a match recently against Filthy Tom Lawyer. Lawler. Uh, Shibata, I feel fairly confident, will be in the New Japan scene sooner rather than later. Uh He'll probably make an appearance here. I would. It would be crazy if he goes into the Rambo, but uh, you know he'll probably get treated with more reverence than that. I think Shibata will return to somewhat full time wrestling. When I don't know, I suspect it in a New Japan ring though, and I suspect it within the next couple of months. And his, cool his main question: the American scene. I mean, we you they loved him in AEW, so by all means, stick around. He is the head of the LA Dojo. I love and his other beautiful and his other questions were uh, this is the real meat and potatoes one. If AJ Styles was granted permission to go to Wrestle Kingdom, who would you want him to have a match against? And would you oh, want man. him to bring the good brothers with him? So here's the thing. All right. Uh, the easy answer. If AJ Styles shows up. Yeah. Bring the good brothers. Go fight Jay White. AJ Styles. Jay White would be the fucking biggest money match. I think you can make with AJ. Yeah. Uh, of course, him and Okada uh, would be incredible. But if you don't want to go for the obvious answers of those two, um, I kind of think it would be cool for him to face Will Ospreay, a wrestler who in a lot of ways resembles AJ Styles' earlier early career trajectory. Hell yeah. Um, that's a good one. Will Ospreay also transforming himself from like the aerial assassin to a more strength ground based guy, but somebody who I think became known for the same type of insane shit that made AJ such like must see TV in Mm -hmm. the TNA years. Yeah. And I think that them in their respective careers, uh, I think that would be like a perfect fit. Um, if he's not facing Jay White, then keep the good brothers at home. If he is like, yeah, bring him along. Let's get a full bullet. It might get too convoluted with new bullet club. I mean, I guess that's the obvious answer. To yeah. It. Yeah. It, may, it might be, it might get weird. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think from an in-ring perspective, Will Ospreay would probably be like the coolest thing. I think you could have AJ do. Yeah. Um, so good question as well, Vin. So, that's all of our questions. These are some great questions. Uh, we really appreciate everybody sending them in. We hope that you got satisfactory answers. And, uh, you know, if you didn't, go fuck yourself. I'm not responsible for your well-being and happiness. Um, I'm here to do what I want all the time. I love so, you. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, so, you know, that takes us to the end here. You know, the end of a nearly... Two two hour long episode, but an event that absolutely deserves it. We ain't done uh, yet. This one's gonna get dropped, like I said, eight AM sharp ish, maybe. Uh so that everybody can go through it before they watch Wrestle Kingdom properly. But uh Ryan, what do you have to send us off here? Got a legend killer. Got a legend killer. All right, Ryan. 
It's Give it to me on now. the way. And it's on the... There we go. All right. Do you have? Oh my! You know, this is one that shouldn't feel hard, but it is kind of hard. You're making it harder than it should be. Is it a wrestler? Yes. No, it's 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 Boomer Sison. Honestly, I thought it was <laughs> Donald Trump. Noted Newt. <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump <laughs> wishes he fucking looked like that. Yeah, it's true. Um. All right. Was this picture taken in the 60s or 70s? Uh, late 60s. Late 60s? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you sending this to me because it's a person that is well-known in Japan? Yep. That's the is only clue. Stan Henson? No. It's not Stan Henson. Yep. The mustache made it feel like it would be Stan Henson. I can see it's a little oh, bit of a mustache. You know, like I didn't notice that. Mustache there. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this is a person, so this is like 60s, you said? Maybe early 70s. So this is a person that would have broken into Japan in like the 80s? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so close. And a gaijin, huh? I mean, the gaijin that I immediately think about in that era are like Stan Henson, the Von Erichs, uh, Sting, uh, Vader. Is, is it Vader? It's Vader, baby. It's Vader. Yeah. I could have been cute and let you go on, but we're already two hours here. So, yeah, that's Vader, uh, dude. Leon that, White. You know what? Oh, that's a that's a good one. That's a that's a good one because, you know, Vader is not a person who I think you're just going to be able to recognize by face. Like, Definitely not. Yeah. So I that aspect I do understand about it. Even like him without the mask in the 80s is a much, much different person than this this lad right here. But. That's a fucking big boy, though, huh? Oh, yeah. My he, God. He's a lineman, baby. Played for Colorado University. Oh, so that's him in college. Yeah. Okay. Big Van Vader. Yeah, Big Van Vader. Um, So Vader's run in Japan so legendary that coming over to the States just didn't have the same luster. Now, part of that is because Vader was older in his career and also... A nice boy. Uh, He was a nice boy. And... There is, you know, he was really like very strangely used in WWE for a guy that was big and agile. You think Vince would have like done a better job of knowing how to use him, but he really didn't. Um, yeah, you know, he just came in. It was the wrong place, wrong time. There was very, you know, it was the height of Sean bullshit reign. And, you know, I think maybe Vince wanted him to take over the locker room, but that wasn't necessarily the case. Also, he had his runs in WCW prior to that, so there may have been some nefarious, like, oh, you're, I'm going to fucking just ruin you, but uh, I don't know. It, it's interesting. That should have been, yeah, because, like, Vader was the most nefarious fucking guy in New Japan. Legendary. You know, the interesting question, I think, would also, be... Also, he did assault that guy. I forgot about that. <laughs> so maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> sure, I guess that does it. I guess, you know, to revisit an earlier statement that I said, where I said that Kenny Omega is probably the biggest gaijin next to Stan Henson. Uh, I suppose it begs the question, though, do you feel him to be more influential or bigger in Japan than Vader was? Because mm. it was a little not our era, but Vader was an absolute 
fuck he was like a main event huge huge guy people in, were in definitely Japan. afraid of vader i think it's fair to you could say omega is bigger Omega's like maybe also, you could say like omega maybe drew more money just because of like the era different stratosphere uh-huh. with omega and you can even uh-huh. say it's higher than vader but vader yeah, was, I mean, was just pure struck pure terror into japanese yeah, from crowd. from that perspective you could probably even put omega over like stan henson but realistically like carl gotch stan henson those are like the two most important yeah non-japanese figures yep. in japanese history mm-hmm. yeah to the point um, where like hansen was an anime so was vader yeah. but i mean like you know and like carl gotch is literally called kamisama mm-hmm. you know the fucking god of wrestling yeah. which is what don Callis calls kenny omega so you know it's fun insult um that's a good one. That's a good one, Ryan. Awesome. Uh, I consider myself as, as having gotten that, despite many guesses. I think that my powers of deduction really kicked into high gear there. Yeah. Uh, but you did, you know, you did tell me. I probably would have just kept going, yeah. to be honest. Because uh, it, like, almost vaguely, I almost feel like I would have assumed it to be Fritz as well. True. It could be um, a number of, of Texas lads. Yeah, little, little big boys, big boys there. Um. All right. So, you know, that brings us to the end here. It's 1015 here. So we want to make sure we get some good sleepies here. Ryan's going to do his very best to join me. Um, And, you know, we just we're just counting down to the hours where uh, the best thing in the world happens working from home tomorrow. uh, So I got to really consider whether I want to spike my coffee with anything. We'll see what happens. But uh, three spy coffees in Damien will get a series of <laughs> alerting calls. <laughs> we need you in here, pal. <laughs> um, uh, the Japanese wrestling. All right. You know what? You're fired. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? He he might have turned it off by then. But my assistant director, Leroy, did have a question he wanted us to to answer. And sure. I told I forced him to. Uh, so I, I will. I might be able to splice this in. We'll see. Uh, it's a little bit it's not Japan related, but he wanted to know whether we how likely we think it is that the bloodline develops into faction warfare. Um, Outside of WWE? No, like he wants to like, do we think the bloodline splits with everybody turning on Roman or do we think like people take sides and it becomes like, yes, intro gang warfare? I think Jay White, Jay White, apology, Jay Uso will, <laughs> is <laughs> the cat, the catalyst of the bloodline. Yeah. That'd be cool, but I think Jey Uso will eventually is going to get his due by accident too. You know, it was just that series of three matches between him and Roman at the beginning before he bent the knee to Roman. I think you know that really proved that they are not just a tag team. Now the caveat of that is they have to stay out of trouble. <laughs> I think I think that what is more likely if 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 I was going to be like yeah that's going to happen is Sammy gets turned on uh solo comes to his aid because he really doesn't have that type of relationship with roman Ooh, that's a good one fuck jimmy jimmy stays out of it jay backs roman but like jay is ultimately the one that then turns on roman i was about yeah so roman, and it's not because jay wants yeah. to fight them but because jay is reek he's fucking broken yeah like jay is going to screw over roman for sammy and like jimmy jimmy's not going to fight his brother or sammy but he's also not going to fight his twin solo as the animal they can't control is going to be a good storyline cuz yeah. dude he like 
I think we addressed this last episode. Like, it can't be overstated enough. Whether or not you thought War Games was good, if you thought it was a little bit of a mess, whatever, it was Solo's coming out party as like the heir apparent to that Yokozuna or Umaga type character where like he using like, the spike is cool yeah Heyman ain't gonna control him roman's not gonna be able to control him and he they, they have a jetpack ready to go for that guy as soon as the moment mm-hmm. is right so great question yes right there's he does he, he uses the spike right yeah. They, mm-hmm. yeah they they're gonna give those uh overbearing samoan moves to him which is good because Roman's it too, works for him yeah, yeah the, the usos have like the high flying technical aspect about them they're more, Roman's they're more cool. More the- yeah, Roman's more stealth. He's not going to go wild like that unless he has to in the dying hours of a match. Yeah, but solos, solos, like like you yeah. said, like that that Yokozuna, like that. I'm just the you know wild Samoan. Like I'm just going to fucking go buck wild and beat the shit out of people. Yeah, great question. Yeah. Yep, that's going to be. I I imagine that's what's going to happen after WrestleMania. So there you go, Leroy. I'll I'll find a way to put that in. Um. Okay. So false ending aside, this is the true ending. So get a good night rest, kitties. Get your coffee pots ready. Join us as we take this trip over to the Far East. And most of all, whether you watch it live, on demand, whether you've never necessarily had an interest, uh, this is the single best event of the wrestling year. Enjoy it. So for Ryan, for myself... This has been the most electrifying, must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Oya Minasami. I said that wrong. Oya Suminamisai. Uh, arigato. This has been FFC.